You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Thank you. Sit down, take your seats. Thank you, wonderful family of God. It is so great to be family with you. We have the same father, different mothers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody wants to know where they come from. I have, grand, I have 10 grandkids. My eldest granddaughter's 20, and she did a genetic test to find out if she's actually her father's Hispanic. And of course, she had, her mother is my daughter. And I'm from a Jewish family. I mean, we are Jewish. We landed here from Germany on a refugee ship. And uh, so he, she was quite alarmed at her little Hispanic self that she was 30-odd percent Jewish. I said, imagine that, grandchild. People are always looking to find their inheritance and where they come from. But imagine if you were looking back to your, who your mother was, your father, which country you came from, because everybody's in this country from somewhere. But imagine if you went back to maybe your great-grandma or the one just before that and found out that she was a prostitute. You wouldn't be too excited about that. Right? Well, let me tell you, I want to talk to you about the, not the Hall of Fame, but the Walk of Fame. I've learned in my journey with the Lord and learning scriptures that always I've, I've found women were always in the mix in the strangest way. It seems like women have always been God's secret weapon. Whenever something profound happened, there was a woman involved somewhere that had a significant effect and made changes. Matthew, Mark, and John were Jews, and their culture did not give space to acknowledge women. Luke came from Greece, and they had female goddesses and all, so they weren't problematic with women. So he writes, of course, in Luke 8, about three significant women, one of them being Mary Magdala, and how that she and Joanna were all supportive of Jesus. He names them and gives them recognition. But imagine King David doing his lineage and checking that his great-grandmother's mother was a prostitute. Pretty strange and unusual. And I want to talk to you about her today and how her life got changed in her walk of fame. Her name was Rahab. Only four women are listed in Matthew 1 as being in the lineage of, of Christ and how that he came down, a real Jewish. And she wasn't even Jewish. She lived in a, in a very hot city, 1,300 feet below sea level, a place called Jericho. And she uh, must have grown up in the most wonderful family. She loved her family. I, I'll read it to you in a moment. She loved her mom and dad and her brothers. And she had a home of her own. She must have been some sort of enterprising woman. She had all kinds of linen and things. Even her cord that she let the, the spies down was a red special cord, wasn't it? You don't find those kind of heavy cords of that color. And then it tells us clearly she was a harlot, a prostitute. She had no husband. She had no children, and you wonder where in the world did that happen? How did she become that? I've never met anyone, and I've asked people, what do you want to grow up to the young teenager? What do you want to be when you grow up? I've yet to find a young person say, well, I'd like to be a prostitute. I've yet to find a young man say, actually, I want to, I want to end up in prison for about half my life and, and uh, have done some serious crime. That Nobody plans on these strange things that happen in your life. And wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, God can. Take it and make it work for good. If you'll just look to him and do the walk of fame, of faith with God. The walk of faith, the walk of fame. This, this woman, Rahab, 
a very interesting lady. Uh, she meets these two spies. She lives in the wall of the city, not uncommon. I don't think it was the most expensive property. No one liked that in case there was a war. I think it was the first most vulnerable house. It was perhaps an inexpensive house. It may even, and some theologians think, and I've studied and read, read several different reports on it, that some theologians believe she may have even had, a, not a hotel, but some sort of inn uh, trying to raise money. Maybe she's supporting a family. I don't know exactly what went on in her life, but I know she meets two spies, just two men. They weren't from the country. The city gates are opened. They come and trade, and she recognized these were not people from Jericho. Not uncommon. They come to trade, and she figured out that they were Jews, and somehow they got into her house, and so this journey began, and she realized there's trouble. She'd, she had already, in her life, already been exposed to the information of the Jews. And so she actually hides them on the roof in her house under all this linen stuff that she has, and she hides them. And when the king hears that these spies are there, he sends word, please bring those spies out. And she said, they were here, but they went, and she tells a lie of which direction they're going in. Now, you wonder what's going on inside of your mind, girl, that you do that. You've lived all your life. You could be at risk for what you're doing. Your life could be in danger. And then she goes up on the roof and she has a conversation with these two spies. Doesn't know them personally, but something's happening on the inside, inside of her. And so she says to them, and I want to read this to you, of course, and I'll just read it. Uh, uh, she had taken and put in, she said, men come to me, but I didn't, I sent them a different road, she tells them. And she says in verse 9 of chapter 2 of the book of Joshua, she says, I know. Whenever I see words I know, I've, I've learned to understand that you first have to hope before you can ever have faith. You have a expectant and a confident that God can do something. You get faith by hearing, but the highest form of faith to me is knowing. I really have, I have this confident hope that I'll go to heaven, and I have no doubt in my heart. I know that I know God. I don't just believe there's a God. I know Him. So it's more than just faith for me. So knowing is the highest form of faith. And she says, "I know." She says to these to these spies, she says, "I know that the Lord has given you this land. I know the Lord has given you this land." Wow, girlfriend. And a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this, this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard. We have heard. Faith comes by. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. It came all the way through this time. They heard about it. It spread. The news spread and people discussed it continually. That'll be some story to hear about around a fire. How people talk, hey, did you hear about the Red Sea and these Jews and the, these, these Israelites that came from Egypt? The long detailed story, how the Lord dried up the sea and you, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. All that's come to us. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven. Now this is a woman that doesn't know. She's not Israeli. She doesn't know God. How does she know God? She says all these different gods 
in the city and she's herself a prostitute. So it's not like she's falling after the Lord or any kind of spiritual journey in her life. But somehow she's heard these things and she knows deep in her heart, there's something good in this woman that I can tell. The way she responds to protect her family and all the way she goes, she takes this major risk in her life. She realizes something's amiss. She says, the Lord, she understands you have your God. And it's the same way this Canaanite woman runs after Jesus calling, son of David, son of David. You, I know you Gentiles don't understand that for her as a Gentile, as a as a one of those Canaanites, the actual Philistine, to say to Jesus, son of David, recognizing that he's of someone of great importance spiritually, have mercy on me. And when he said, I can't give to the dogs that belongs to the children, I can't give to the unbelievers, the heathens, what's destined for God's children. Even the unbelievers, even the dogs get what's left over, the crumbs left over. And she said, for this faith... Your, your child is healed. Remarkable how God responds to faith, not to her entitlement or how righteous she is or what she did to her. Her faith released that supernatural. This woman took a mega step of faith and she realized she heard all these reports and I know in her life, in her, this, this position she's in, she's a prostitute. So that can't be a fun life. She must have been beautiful. Ugly people don't make good prostitutes. She must have been beautiful. And she must have been very creative. And even though she's living in the wall, she's, she's trying something. And then she hears this word and she realizes that the God of this people must be really powerful. And in her heart, she adopts the faith. He must be the real God. The Lord, your God, is going to take this country. I know God's given this land to you. How could you have so much faith when those Israelites themselves are murmuring and complaining? They don't even believe all of that. How do you believe it? Because there's something inside of her that reaches out to that. And when our hearts melt with fear, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above. This is the truth. She's saying by her mouth, he's the only true God on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me, by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you'll spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them. She's not concerned about her. She hasn't got much to say about herself. Doesn't say, spare my life. Make me a Jewess. She says, spare the life. She's, she seems to be very unselfishly protecting her family and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, they said. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by the rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city. And I wonder in our lives so often, when we look at our lives, we assess our lives and we accept people's opinions and judgments. I think of another woman that I know like this. In Luke 7, there's a man called Simon who in invites Jesus to come to dinner and the woman comes to break an alabaster jar open on his feet and she weeps and she wipes the tears with her hair and Simon when she walks by him Simon says if he were really a prophet he'd know what kind of woman she is so what kind of woman or man are you today it's so easy to try and 
judge someone or categorize someone by a kind. And I want to tell you, you've done some strange stuff in your life, but that's not who you are. Do you understand that? Don't, don't let anybody judge you and put you in a kind of bracket because that's not who you are. What kind of person you are is you belong to God. And you made maybe some bad decisions, some situations didn't pan out the way you expected. But that's not who you are. Who you are is who God says you are. And you've got to keep reading to find out what God says about you and get your mind fixed. Now people will tell you what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So they've already decided in their hearts and categorized her and boxed her in to a certain lifestyle. Rahab was a prostitute. They all knew her. It wasn't a secret. It was public. They all knew her. She didn't think much of herself. She wasn't trying to save herself, but her family. That's what she was trying to do. So unselfish. And then she becomes grafted in to the Hall of Fame to become one that brings an heir to God's kingdom of great reputation. Such a woman, she had no idea this would happen to her, but her faith, her determination to do God's will. So I'm here to ask you today, wherever you are, and however sorry you feel for yourself, because it's so easy to see, feel sorry for yourself as life didn't work out the way you wanted or you thought it should work out. I'm here to tell you that you never give up. Never, never, never. There's always a plan. God has always got a plan. I'm a living testimony. People have tried to stop me so many times in my life's journey in the ministry, so many times. But God, every time. You only rise and fall on what God says, not man says. God's the one that speaks. And if you don't realize that God's got a plan for you, it doesn't matter where you've been, and it really doesn't, it doesn't, really doesn't matter the mistakes you've made, because that's not who you are. And I don't want you judging someone else. You, it's no testimony to God to recite all the things you did before you got saved, because the Lord takes that and puts it in a sea of forgetfulness under His blood, and every time you bring it up, it doesn't bring glory to Him. Whether you committed murder or lied, that's the same sins and take you to hell. So bragging about how much sin you had does not make God look better. Your salvation is the wonderful testimony. That's the word of testimony, what God has done for you, not what, how bad you were and compete with someone to see what a terrible sinner you were. We're all bad sinners. We're all redeemed by God. And the redeemed the Lord should say so. Are you hearing me? So in your own life, change your prayer life. Change your prayer, the way you speak about yourself, because now you're redeemed. Don't belittle what the Lord has done in your life, and don't you dare judge someone else. In my journey of the walking with the Lord, and where I am as a senior citizen, I can tell you, learn not to judge ever, because that judgment comes back on you. When you go through a crisis as a Christian, many times it's because you are quick to judge. Not always, but the times when you've been judgmental and that judgment you spoke came back on you. So make sure you don't judge anybody. Don't open that door of judgment. It's, you have, it's not your job to have an opinion about someone's life. I can tell you honestly in my life, in the journey of all the countries I've been to, 34 of them, ministered many thousands of churches. The only church I've ever seen, ever in my life, that has no judgment, no judgment. Pastor Theo? And this pastor sitting right, I've never heard them say one bad word about someone else. Never. 
Not one, not one. In fact, when I started years ago to, to say something about someone, they stopped me. And I learned my lesson many years ago from them. So you have at your leadership remarkable, unusually godly people. Don't take it for granted and don't feel sorry for yourself because you made some mistakes. Get up. Get up. The only positions you're allowed to assume is getting up and standing up. Because falling down is not where you're going to stay. Just get up. You can, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. Doesn't stay down. We keep getting up. Rahab got into the hall of fame by her faith. And I'm here to tell you, wherever you are, whatever position you find yourself, whatever crises you find yourself in, take that step of faith. Go ahead, take a chance. Take a chance. She risked her life. She made a big risk. And she had to keep her side of the bargain. They said, make sure then when, the, when we come that all of your family are on the house so they don't live with her. So she had to convince. Now imagine this. All that stuff's there. You just don't read it because it's in between the lines. She had to go to her mom and dad and tell them, uh, I would like you to come stay with me tonight, please. Are you crazy? Have you not seen these Israelites walking around the city every day quietly like a bunch of zombies? We all know what's going to happen. Dad, mom, trust me. Trust you. Our little prostitute daughter, really? <laughs> come stay in my house tonight. All of you. Bring the children. Bring cousins. Come all come stay. You have place for us now. You've got a, we know you have an inn. You don't have that many beds. Just come and stay here tonight. Why? Just trust me. <laughs> trust you. And she saved them, their lives. But she changed her own life. She was, became a woman of God and brought lineage. That prostitute found a husband. And that birthed a child, that birthed a child, that birthed a child. And David came and, and kept birth in the bloodline that we know our Savior comes from. Are you, are you hearing me? So here I'm here to tell you, whatever line you're in, whatever you've been, it's not too late. You haven't messed it up. God can turn it all around for you. Don't be judging someone else either. You've made many mistakes. Put it behind you. It doesn't mean you'll make one tomorrow. Just get up because God can. God can do it. He's the most amazing Savior. I've never had a friend as close as him. I've never known anybody to be so faithful, so kind. He's not nearly as mean as people make him out to be. He's kind and loving. He absolutely dotes on you night and day. He never punishes you. He corrects you. He, he adjusts you for your benefit, not for his, for your benefit. He tries to help you. It may feel painful because you keep bumping your head. You try, he's trying to help you stop hurting yourself. He's not there to discipline you to, in a harsh way, but in a loving way. He's kind and he's very into your life. A lot of stuff he hasn't given you because he knows it's only going to mess you up. He's already tested the waters by giving you some stuff and you weren't faithful with little, so he didn't give you more so he's watching your life where you are all the time so just grow in him learn to depend upon him it's the happiest place in the world they say Disneyland's the happiest place I'm here to tell you he walking with him is the happiest place on earth the happiest place there's no one like him and he loves you so very much hallelujah I hope I was able to teach and encourage you somehow tonight with the word of Rahab The Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jesus.